Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about the new comics that are coming out on October fifth, twenty twenty one. Starting with, well, I guess we should say we're we're talking about three books this week, but two of the three books are multi part, um, big sort of issues. So um, we're not trying to talk about less books every week. It just kind of happens this way for the last few weeks. It's actually First, like 10 issues worth. So. Yeah, I was going to say, this took me longer <laughs> to read than an average week of comics would have taken me to read for sure. Um, so let's start with, are you afraid of Dark Side? This is a, um, a, a Halloween-ish special that tries to do scary stories, but I'm going to say about half of them are scary. Yeah. And half of them are just stories. Um, and <laughs> I guess that's okay. <laughs> I, I mean, is it just me or did, did did it seem like there were a couple of stories that were added in here that were left over from like other anthologies? Oh, absolutely. They, yeah, they, they, absolutely. they just wanted, to, they just wanted to, to publish. And so they were added in here. Um, okay. I'm glad that wasn't just me that thought that. Yeah. There, there are some that are decidedly not horror tinged. That Aquaman and Aqualad one, uh, yeah, I guess like it's horror in the way that like cryptids are technically horror, mm-hmm. but it just feels like it's left over from the, the Aquaman. Aquaman 80th anniversary issue. Y- y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Ed Brisson and Christopher Mitten didn't make the cut there for some I, reason. I feel like the the John Stewart story was cut from that upcoming John Stewart 50th anniversary issue as well. Ah, uh. but. Or maybe from the Green Lantern 80th or something. But anyway, let's just go through these quickly. So the um, the sort of framing sequence here is written by Elliot Callen, uh, one of the writers of Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return, uh, and also illustrated by Mike Norton, who's a, a longtime DC favorite, who did also a book that takes place, I believe, in Vince's hometown. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. 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 Revival. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, yeah, 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 Rival. Image Comics. Tim Seeley. Tim Seeley. Um, good any, good comic. <laughs> any any thoughts on the framing story, boys? I, I thought it did its job and it there were there were a couple chuckles in there. I, got, I thought there was I thought he got off some good jokes. I, I thought it was interesting because it seemed more like rebirth teen titans than um than Infinite Frontier Teen Titans, just mostly because Robin was there. This felt mm. like a holdover from that time. It probably was. Um, and also, I don't think continuity counts in the holiday specials, but but who knows? Um, yeah, I thought this was fun. I, it very much reminded me of uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, which is the inspiration for the title, a show that Zach was definitely too young to watch on Nickelodeon. <laughs> no, I watched it. Did you really? Yeah. I am shocked about that. That seems like it's at least five years too old for you. <laughs> it uh, might have been reruns. I don't know. I definitely okay. watched it though. Okay. Uh, it's it's dark side. No e accent on the. Oh oh. <laughs> I am standing up. <laughs> That's a Sardo reference for our, for our uh, <laughs> for that our. Is- 
That is at least the third Sardell reference in the history of this show. Oh, yes, absolutely. But still, I, I very much appreciate it. And I, I probably said this in the show again. In like 2005, my friend Russell and I tried to put an ad in the paper to get people to act in it. We were going to try and put on YouTube a, quote, lost episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? That was just us making a new one. But we never actually, we never actually got to do it. So but the guy who played Sardell returned your call. <laughs> exactly. He needs the work. He definitely needs the work. All right. Anyway, let's get to these stories. (laughs) Zach is trying to desperately get the show over to live his life, and you and I are just fucking around with Snick references here. (laughs) Who wants to talk about Roundhouse next? Not the member of Teen Titans, the show Roundhouse, with the bad idea in the recliner that drove around and the break okay, dancing. Wait, wait, was was Snick a thing like earlier in the 90s as well rather than just in the late 90s? Yes, Snick, oh, dude, yeah. I believe okay. I believe the original four shows on Snick were Clarissa explains it all, Roundhouse, The Adventures of Pete and Pete and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Okay, see, I'm more familiar with the like late 90s Snick iteration that had like Cousin Skeeter and Animorphs and um Keenan and Cal? I don't know if Keenan and Cal was on that. Maybe it was. I don't know. Because I mean, Keenan and Cal was definitely earlier than that stuff was. But damn, I'm old. Jesus okay, I, I, I messed up. The Avengers of Pete and Pete came on later. The original four were Clarissa, Roundhouse, Ren and Stimpy, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, Ren and Stimpy was on Snick. Wow, that was the good shit. Yeah. After that, all that joined, and that's when it started to downhill for me. But you okay. know, you don't like all that. I was just I was like starting to watch SNL in 94 when I was 12. So when you're comparing Adam Sandler to, uh, you know, Keenan Thompson but, at the to time, Walter Earboy, his ears yeah. are really big. Come yeah. on, Pierre Escargot. That's like oh. <laughs> absolutely. Anyway, let's talk about this fucking comic. Uh, so the first full story Super is dude. Called... <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Repair man, man, man. man. Something, something good burger. Okay. Uh, so the first story is called Bloody Mary, or as my notes say, Bloody Mary. I don't know why I couldn't type that properly. Uh, it was written by Kenny Porter, illustrated by Max Dunbar. There was one line in this that legitimately made me laugh out loud when Harley Quinn said, who's behind me? And Darkseid says, Darkseid is? Yes. That, yeah. was, that, was an, that was a very, very funny line. Overall, I thought this story was was pretty fun. This is the kind of story I expect from these type of anthologies where there is some fun stuff sprinkled in, but ultimately it's kind of a a nothing story. Nothing, you know, momentous happens or whatever. But it was a good story. I like Max Dunbar well enough. I thought it was kind of fun. Zach, what did you think? Um, I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, I like Harley. I like Darkseid. Um, it was, I guess, like one of the quote-unquote scarier stories overall. Um, and the ending was really good. So yeah, this was this was overall one of the good ones, I think. Vince, yeah, I I liked it. Yeah, I I feel the same way. Like the, I, I was surprised at how much I liked Max Dunbar's art because, like, I don't think it's ever really done anything for me in the past, and. I, I really enjoyed it here. So I don't know if that's just me or if it's an actual glow up happening. Um, famous, famous DC three uh, glow up uh, reference there. 
Um, but I liked the, I know Bloody Mary has been a female Furies character before, but mm-hmm. I liked the application of her here in, in, in this particular story and, you know, showing her trapped in the matrix of the mother box and then transitioning to being trapped in uh mirror masters mirror world was a pretty, that was a pretty good gag. Um, yes. I, I enjoyed the mirror master gag particularly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was just a, a really good application of the, of the characters and interesting to pair Harley Quinn and dark side, which is a pairing that that shouldn't work, but in this context really did. Um, it was fun. Hasn't that happened a couple of times? Um, maybe, maybe I, uh, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, I thought the 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 page where wait wait uh, wait wait a second wait a second <laughs> don't they specifically interact in countdown? <laughs> I don't remember. Probably, probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah, and he then probably, there was he probably says something were, really problematic to her. I think there was also a um, like a Harley Quinn and the Female Furies book. Or yeah, something that, like that happened. Yeah, that was like an arc of the rebirth Harley. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Still, it's not like they're you know, it's not like it's no, Harley right. Quinn and her amazing right. friend Dark Side. Sure. Um, but you know, again, in this context, I think it works really well. Uh, the the page where the Omega Beam shoot out of his eyes was really really well done. I think um, the cool page. <laughs> um, I like this. Yeah, I, I like this quite a bit. The second story in the book is called Backseat Killer. This is written by Calvin Kasulki and illustrated by Rob Guillory. Um, Vince, start us off with this one. Sure. So this was one where. The story didn't do much for me, but I think, you know, in these anthologies, I'm finding more and more. So, you know, we we thought DC was getting like really good with their anthologies and they were. And now I think they're kind of going down the, the other side of the, of the hill <laughs> with them. But the thing that's consistently good is the art. And I think like the story is definitely serviceable, but. Rob Guillory's art is the main attraction here. Um, I, I just think he's so good. I, I love him from the Chew days, and uh, you know whatever whatever work DC wants to throw his way. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll look at it anytime. He draws he draws a good Batmobile chase. Yes, that that's about all I can say about this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. This is sort of a classic. Uh, you know, like urban legend is the right word, like where someone's flashing their high beam to you because there's a killer in your back seat. Like that's that's a very classic story. Um, and then the end of this story kind of takes on a uh, a large Marge moment from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, where you know the person's not actually there; it was a ghost. And you know, look, it's fine. But like you guys said, Rob Guillory is just amazing. I love Rob Guillory's art. His Batmobile chase scenes, like. I don't quite know how to say this, but his Batmobile just feels more in motion than almost any other Batmobile I can remember in recent memory. Like every panel he draws, you can you can hear it revving up, you can see it moving. It's just it just feels like such a dynamic piece of the story. I really really appreciated that. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe he should be the artist on Flash. Oh, I would kill for that. Oh, baby. <laughs> Back up the dump truck of money. Ask me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. 
All right. The third story is Escape the Dark Fortress, written by Dave Weigoltz, illustrated by Pablo M. Cowler. Um, Zach, what do you think of this? Um, this one, um, um, I actually really like this one. Um, this was maybe my favorite one, um, overall. And this kind of felt like it would be a really cool, like, first issue of a John Stewart Green Lantern comic. Mm-hmm. I certainly like it more than the current John Stewart Green Lantern story. Yeah. Um, like, just this idea of, like, to me, this almost kind of felt like the first issue of a comic where that was going to be centered around this, like, Green Lantern hostel, and he was going to kind of run it, and it would be about, like, the adventures surrounding that. It's, it's like, a really compelling, I think, initial idea, and also, I always like when Jon Stewart's stories focus more on him being an architect than being a soldier, yes. and this was that. 100%. Um, you had the Kat Matui stuff. You didn't have any mention of Zanshi. Zanshi, yeah. This was actually like a really great Jon Stewart. This is like peak Jon Stewart comic, I think. <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree with you there, Zach. I think that this was really enjoyable. It's not a horror story in any shape. No, that's for yeah. Um, I think like Kat Matui is a character that should be as much of the John Stewart story as Zanshi is, like you said, Zach, but we don't get her mentioned at all. I mean, I think the last time we saw Kat Matui was in Blackest Night, possibly. And um she's she's a really integral part of what makes John Stewart interesting when she is well used. And this was very well used. I, I really enjoyed this. Vince? Yeah, I'll I'll echo everything you guys are saying. I don't I, I don't think it was my favorite story in this thing, but it was certainly um one of the one of the better ones again regardless of the fact that it didn't fit the theme of the this was while I was reading this comic this is where I realized okay these are some of these are not going to be some of these were not meant for this book. And then it made me think this has nothing to do with this story, but it made me think when I heard Are You Afraid of Dark Side, I, I kind of wanted all the stories in the anthology to be b- both scary stories or horror tinged stories and also involve like Dark Side or Apocalypse or New Genesis. I, I, I kind of was thought hoping it was that's... going to be that after the first one and then was disappointed. Yeah. 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 The rest weren't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but as far as this story goes, I guess the only thing I would want to add is. Um, the art was very good. It, it didn't blow me away uh, in this story, but I will say uh, I'm not familiar with the, with the artist Pablo Collar, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. But there's some something about it is, um, um, ah, and I just lost the name, um, Bernard Chang. It looks like Bernard Chang art. especially Yeah, especially in the faces and the figures, except just like, not quite that good. Yeah, I could definitely see that as well. Yeah, so so I think there's potential. I, I wouldn't mind seeing more Pablo Collar art because um, I think there's potential here. Um, even if it's not quite as good as Bernard Chang yet. But I mean, to be fair, Bernard Chang is excellent. Oh, yeah, that's yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. The next story we get is a Phantom Stranger story called The Endless Staircase, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, illustrated by Jesus Hervas. And my one note on this is boring as fuck. 
I did not care for this. My note on this is what even is this? Like, I felt so dumb reading this because I feel like there are references I'm supposed to get, but then I would like Google some of these names and they're not real people. So I don't know who they're supposed to be. Except for the obvious Bruce Wayne one. Yeah, exactly. There's also one where he's, uh, he's walking through like the den of a comic artist and we see that he's drawing Wonder Woman and drawing uh, Phantom Stranger like on these um, on, on these pieces of paper. And I was trying to figure out like if it was if there was a particular artist that, that was going after or mm-hmm. just that's the idea of comic artists <laughs> like it's I don't know. Uh, right. It almost seemed, I mean, the artist's mind resonated at the frequency observed in the multiverse. He called forth from the bleed images of other times and places. I mean, it sounds like Grant Morrison's author character. Right. Except it's clearly not them because right. that's not, you know, it's always drawn to look like Grant Morrison. But that's the same concept. So I think to, to me, this is one of two things. Um it, the it, artist or the story itself? Huh? No, the story itself. Okay. It to me, it feels like either just an exercise in telling a phantom stranger story that isn't going anywhere and doesn't have to, or it almost seems like it might be part of a pitch for a phantom stranger book that never happened. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that feels. Probable. That feels that feels right, yeah. Uh, the we're one su- thing we're super reading the tea leaves on this book. <laughs> on this yes, book. we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, chances are it's just a big nothing. But I will say this: um, yes, it was boring. Uh, about halfway through, I kind of stopped reading the words, or at least all of Same. them. Yeah, the art really looks good. I, I like the art quite a bit. Yeah, but I, I felt bad for for the artist on this, um, whose name I have already forgotten. I pull back up my document here. Um, Jesus Hervas, because it, this read to me like was it issue fifty of Tom King's Batman mm, where it was yes. all the pinups, mm-hmm. and just like it's very hard for a sequential artist to make something interesting when you're just given one panel per page. Yes, and I but I but I think they succeeded because like especially with the with the um use of the staircase motif like it the art really uh, draws the eye to where it's supposed to be as sure, you read the page. Sure. Yeah. That's a good point. I think it's, yeah. I mean, I didn't like the story. Don't get me wrong, but I, I thought the art was really great. And I would like to see this artist do other stuff as well. So. Yeah. I, I think it was my, I think maybe my favorite artistic story of the, of the comic. Mm-hmm. Just, just from a craft standpoint, I think it was, possibly the best looking there were some other really good artists in this uh most of whom i think we're about to get to this book is kind of backloaded i think in the good art department well gallery was except for rob gallery yeah yeah but um i think even this um story i think maybe looks a little bit better to me than even the gallery stuff i don't know about that but I, i do think this is a very good looking story it reminds me this reminds me of um I can't quite put a finger on who this reminds me of, but it's it's very. Oh, this reminds me a little bit of Bilkis Evely, mm. a little bit. Sure. I I thought you were gonna say that the like the inking reminded you a little bit of Bill Sinkevich, but you went Bilquis, and I can kind of see the Sinkevich a little bit in here too. So that's interesting. 
That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, next up is Aquaman and Aqualad versus the Ogopogo, written by Ed Brisson, illustrated by Christopher Mitten. Christopher Mitten's awesome. Again, we, we talked about him recently. I forget what he did recently, but I was saying that I, I've been a fan of his since he was at uh, doing um, stuff in the Mignolaverse. And uh, he's he's just really, really good. And this story looked absolutely beautiful. What did you guys think? The story looked really good. The story itself was just okay, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it's the same story. You know, our Aquaman episode just came out not that long ago from, from the for the Patreon. www.dc3cast.com. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> um, and I'll say the same thing that I said about Ivan Reyes' art in in the first couple arcs of that that i would say about this is that like so much of this is really gorgeous looking and and really interesting renderings of some horrific creatures and that i feel nothing about as far as the story goes um i mean the story is just incredibly mid it's just a a vehicle to get aquaman and jackson uh up against whatever this is supposed to be, you know, and, yeah. that, and that's it. Zach. Yeah. I don't, I don't have much more to say to that other than, you know, I said the art was good. The art is, the art is very good. Um, I know this is, isn't the Loch Ness monster, but it's like a Loch Ness monster esque story. And that, that, those kinds of stories are pretty cool, I think. Um, but yeah, this was kind of a, kind of a weird nothing story most in a lot of ways too so yeah I, I don't have a ton to say i will say the one thing i did like was i liked the um i don't know if i've ever seen them before give jackson a hard water trident before mm. but I, I liked that that design touch here but it, it could have been in 100 comics i just never noticed it but i liked it particularly here um, anyway, next up is Vixen and Wonder Woman in Black Eyed Kids. This is written by Terry Bloss, illustrated by Gary Brown. Zach, start us off with this one. Um, I like this one. This one was pretty good. It um, it could have just been a Vixen story, but it did end up using Wonder Woman in an, in an interesting way um, with her having the ability to talk to animals um and i think the twist of it it almost kind of seems like it's a vampire story at the beginning but then it has like a very interesting twist with them actually being um poacher survivors uh animals that have survived poaching um and you know that it's like really sad and and sweet i guess if you are like an animal person (laughs) it's just like oh this is nice um so and the art was really really good. I think it matched the tone of the story really well. Um, I'm not super familiar with this artist. I don't think. Um, Correct but, me if I'm wrong, but didn't Gary Brown do some of the? Um, <clears throat> oh, he did some stuff. The late, name sounds super familiar, but late in the New Fifty Two, like what uh, was it? Catwoman? Was it? Was it? 
Was there some um, Googling now? So, okay, here are the things that I think of. Yeah, what I, what I think he of was him. in. He was associated with Catwoman at some point. I think of yeah. him as being uh, on Brian Woods, the massive. I'm tugging on my collar <laughs> yeah. considerably as I say that. Um, yep. Great artistic work on that book. Uh, yes, uh, but he also did the Star Trek Green Lantern crossover that okay. IDW and DC did. At least one of those. There were a couple of those, and uh, there was something else too. What was it? Um, Oh, Zach, you should know this. He did the Iron Patriot miniseries. Oh, yes. Wasn't yeah, that with um, with Alish Cott? Uh, you know, yes, it was. It was with Alish Cott. You know, I'm not the big Alish Cott guy. No, but you are the big Marvel boy, as we all know. Not this era of Marvel. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, um, uh, but um, he actually, he did recently. This is probably what I know him from. He did some stuff on X-Force. I was just going like. to say that. There yeah. you go. He also did. Yeah. Nobody out there is going to give one shit about this, but he did a couple of issues of the Dynamite Solar Man of the Atom series from 2014 <laughs> that I really liked. There you go. So there we go. Uh, the Genevieve Valentine Catwoman stuff, I believe. Yes. Oh, he was one, yes. He was one of the yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Brown's great. Um, and this is great looking. The, the, the story's pretty good, too. Um, I, d- I did wish it was just a Vixen story. Um, Same. Just because Vixen doesn't get enough play anymore these days. Um, and it was it was nice to get a story about her. Um, you know, nothing wrong with having Wonder Woman in there, but I don't know. V- Vixen can hold her own. <laughs> Especially in a week where we had to read a lot of Wonder Woman stories. Had uh, to. Yes, had to. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying that as I wouldn't have read them otherwise, but it was our assignment yeah. for this show to read those issues. Um, I know, I know. So it would have been nice to have a a pure vixen story, but you know, again, not not a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. And the last story is a Superman story called The Cellar, written by Jeremy Hahn, illustrated by Tony Akins. Vince, take this one away, dude. Okay, I I want to shout out Tony Akins because you interviewed Tony Akins uh, for your for your. Uh, week f- 520 weeks. weeks. Man, yes. who's been drinking the margaritas tonight? <laughs> you. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I couldn't I've been think drinking... of the convoluted name of Brian's. Yeah, I've been uh, drinking the cherry vanilla Coke. Thank you very much. There you go. Um. Anyway, uh, Tony Akins in that interview sounded like a, a lovely dude. Um, Was harder on his own art than I expected. And I just wanted to like give him a hug or some props or something. Cause I loved his stuff on wonder woman. I thought it was great. I think his stuff here is great. Look at that Clark. Yeah. I, w- I would watch him draw Clark Kent all day. That is a perfect Clark. And then the moment where he rips the shirt open and he's got Superman underneath, like, and he becomes Hank and says, Hey now. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're really on one tonight. <laughs> we are. As Zach is looking at his watch, having to get out of here, and we're just fucking around. We're doing 90s callbacks. For, yes, we are. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, Jesus. But, but I mean, am I right or, or am I right? Oh, like, is, Tony Aiken kills it. gorgeous. Zach, yeah. what do you think? Isn't this great? Yeah, no, this was really good. This was another contender for, I think, best story of the issue for me. Um, 
also genuinely pretty creepy. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Just a really good Clark and Lois story in general, though. Yeah, I, th- I thought this was fantastic. I-, I loved, too, how Lois was kind of the hero of this. Yeah. So Coming many out with, like, the blood dripping off of her uh, lips there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And she says, I got you, Smallville. Loved it. <laughs> loved yeah. it. Just did great this great stuff. Yes. So even though this wasn't maybe as strong of an anthology as we've seen in the past, I feel like we liked the Bloody Mary story. We liked the Batman story because of the art. We liked the John Stewart story. We liked the art and the Aquaman story. We liked most of the Vixen story, and we liked the Superman story. That's not a bad anthology. Yeah, that's about that's about 50-50. Yeah. You know, that's fine. Uh, my I, big... I do think I do think DC's batting average has been better than that in these in some of the anthologies from the last couple of years. Yeah, um, so I agree. So that, yeah, but 50-50 is not bad for, for these things. Here's where I have the problem with with these anthologies is the price point on them. Uh, I'm looking up now. This is a $10 comic. And that's not terrible. But if I'm paying 10 bucks, I want a higher consistency than that. Personally, mm-hmm. if I think these should be and again, it's easy for me to say this, the person who has no financial skin in this game. But I think people would take these a lot less seriously and have a lot more fun with them if they were something that was talked about. That was, you know, a five dollar comic, something with that, like a special oversized thing that didn't cost three times as much as your issue of Batman costs. Yeah, especially since these are kind of I mean, they're fine, but they're they're generally kind of throwaways. I feel like the the, the holiday specials are kind of a lower tier than like the um the character specials, like the right. Wonder Woman that we're about to talk about. Yeah. Um, just because the stories are, you know, the, uh, well, not everything, continuity isn't everything, but at, at least the character stories are like, we're functioning in like a, I feel like the themes of the, the holiday specials kind of make the stories a little bit more disposable in a way you know what i mean correct yeah yeah yes i i feel like the like the wonder woman woman comic that we're going to talk about kind of justifies its ten dollar price tag but yes. the 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 halloween one the dark side one you know eight dollars feels kind of like the max there really to me and i know that's like kind of splitting hairs i guess but but I also think that, like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like when 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 you're a kid and you go into a comic store, this is the type of comic that would be a perfect to put in the hands of like an eight or a nine year old. Absolutely. So, yeah. Somebody who doesn't know all the DC characters, but has an idea of it. But that kid's never going to spend ten dollars in this comic. If their mom or dad gives them ten bucks to go into a comic store with, they're going to try and maximize their dollar value. Right. So. They're, they're gonna, gonna get... buy. They're gonna buy drugs from Jay and Silent Bob instead. <laughs> yes, I was gonna say they're Put gonna that buy shit in my hand. <laughs> yeah, that's fifteen bucks, little man. Come on, get, there. <laughs> get, your, get your shit right here, Vince. If you're gonna come, come correct, okay? Um, uh, but I was gonna. Say, it just seems to me like this is this is missing the audience that would do best with this comic because of the price point. It almost makes me wonder if for these kind of things, DC would be 
better off and who, I mean, uh, they keep doing them, so they must do well enough, but kind of positioning like uh, lower tier uh, creative, yeah, I, that sounds really weird to say, but, but basically to keep costs low, maybe use talent that doesn't, or maybe use, maybe a better thing. Yeah. I don't like where this is going at all. Use lower quality paper for this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't like where I'm going with that. You just, you just people, the word creators with paper. Yeah. All, <laughs> all, all creators should be paid regardless of their, their, <laughs> social cloud or whatever or their but industry that, but, cloud that's like garbage they should just use like newspaper style or like yeah. you know something keep, wednesday yeah, comics yeah exactly yeah. like the five dollar price point that you mentioned for this would be great get that in the kids hands who doesn't care if it has like glossy paper or not but, and, but also here, here's here's what i don't understand about this though zach and you're talking about the creators why are rob guillory um chris mitten gary brown and tony akins doing this book there's only two uh, reasons why. Number one is that DC isn't offering them other stuff, and this is all they can get. Or DC can't afford them for big stuff, and this is all they can afford them on. I think it's probably, I mean, that can be, like, maybe those artists aren't really down to do a 20-page monthly book, but they'll definitely throw in an 8- to 10-page little anthology thing. I suppose so, yeah. I don't know. I, I, that, I that's my guess, yeah. I wouldn't want to see the quality diminish because these are the only places we get those artists sometimes. Sure. Yeah. That's why I prefer to, I mean, this is getting really in the weeds here, but I love when an artist like this does like a guest issue of an actual series, mm-hmm. you know, yep. Bendis, uh-huh. Bendis is really good about that. As much as his DC stuff has been extremely hit and more miss for me lately, like the fact that he brings an artist in to do like half of an issue or even just a couple pages of an issue that you would never see on a regular ongoing DC or Marvel comic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with any regularity is great. That's a huge boon. Um, I, w- I wish they would do more of that. Like imagine if, imagine if Rob Guillory just drew one issue of the ongoing flash comic, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. We'd want more. That would be the problem. <laughs> exactly. All right. Up next is Arkham City, the Order of the World, number one. This is a is it a five part mini six part miniseries uh, from DC that takes place. It's weird because this seems like a book that wouldn't be taking place in current continuity based on like the visuals associated with the book. And maybe the creative team, but this takes place firmly in Rebirth, not Rebirth, Infinite Frontier continuity after a day. This is written by Dan Waters, illustrated by Danny or Donnie. I don't know how that's pronounced exactly, but um, we just had some Danny art last week or last month, rather, on the Miracle Molly Secret Files. And we really liked what Dan Waters did in uh, Future State. I think I think it was specifically the Superman Wonder Woman title that Dan Waters yes. did that was excellent. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Dan Waters has done a lot of DC, but that's the most recent thing I remember that was that was something that we, you know, singled out as being really good. Um, so Zach, what did you think of this first issue? I thought this was fantastic. This was just <laughs> I don't want to Trinity this, but this is like the best bat book, period. It's like, 
you know, it's fantastic. I'm a huge Danny Mark now, but Bet between this and the, the Miracle Molly issue, which mm -hmm. like, I know we've seen Danny art before. Um, they did Lolo Woods. Excellent. Um, Excellent cool. comic. Yeah. Which like, you know, I'm looking at that now and it, it looks good. I'm flipping through that first issue right now. It looks good, but I think like their art in this and in the Miracle Molly thing is just like next level. Like they've leveled up even more. Um, I I compared the Miracle Molly artwork to it kind of reminded me of like sort of later Tim Sale a little bit, and I I still feel that there's something about it. I it's it's not quite as like clean, which I like. It's a little bit grittier. I like um, it more. I think yeah, I definitely like it more. I think than Tim Sale art, honestly. But it, it gets it's kind of that same vibe to me. Yeah. Um, the stuff with the Ten Eyed Man is just so oh. creepy, incredibly good. Um, and the way that this gets tied into continuity is so well done too. I think um, the use of certain villains, the way that Azriel is used in this, is just also good. This is this is just ten out of ten. Vince, yeah, I'm a ten out of ten is is strong, but um, it's it's definitely <laughs> as far as DC, as far as like main mainline DC stuff goes, yeah, on that on that scale for me, sure, yeah, I I, I understand what you're saying, I, I completely agree with that. I think this reminds me, boy, it would be great if like DC is turning this way again, but I, I feel like this is just going to be kind of a one off thing. This reminds me of some of that weird late 80s early 90s stuff that dc was doing that involved like batman characters that involved you know mm -hmm. that that what like was in continuity but it may as well not be also it, it's gonna be evergreen really um just an an artistic leap that reminds you of something you would see in vertigo or you know hill house which is a I, guess, I suppose some sort of vertigo effect facsimile really. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, you know, it also recalls the Arkham Asylum comic. Mm -hmm. um, I actually did. I got a little worried about halfway through when I was like, Oh, this, it's not just, it's not just going to show you like a different villain each page and tell you what their deal is. But no, it actually does end up telling a story and it just uses that as a, a little bit of a device. It doesn't overuse it. And then once it comes back around to the to the ten-eyed man at the end, like, yeah, that that ten-eyed man stuff is that is like knocking this whole concept out of the park as far as creep factor, the visuals, the writing, the clear it i wouldn't be surprised if if dan waters and danny like did the 10 eyed came up with the 10 eyed man stuff first and then just built the comic around that. <laughs> like how can how can we do this great idea we have and then make an actual story around it mm -hmm. um it's that good it's that good of a reinvention of this frankly stupid character from <laughs> the silver age or whenever yeah. you know um I think famously wasn't the Ten-Eyed Man like, well, Ten-Eyed Man showed up again in in like Final Crisis era DC, right? He was in uh, Morrison's Batman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. But what I what I remember about Ten-Eyed Man before that is that like apparently George P 
Perez thought that it was such a stupid or Marv Wolfman, one of, one of them thought they were such a stupid character that they were one of the characters who got killed in crisis and not brought back into the new, the new DCU at the time. Um, but this, this feels like a reinvention that could be used for years and years. Like I could see this showing up in a movie or a TV show. Not that that's, I don't, I don't watch those. So that's not like a compliment or something I'm looking for. (laughs) I'm just saying like, that's how much they're knocking that concept out of the park. Right. It's Mm -hmm. very memorable. Anyways, I'll shut up. (laughs) No, that's, that's fine. Uh, I liked this not quite as much as you guys, but that's not, that's not to say I didn't like it. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. My one note on this is I felt like the twist that happened at the end would have been more fun had it happened a little earlier in the issue. Because the issue starts to drag a little bit at, at, at page like 18, 19. And then that twist happens then like, oh fuck, this is this is great. I just wish that happened a little bit earlier. Um but yeah, to me, this very much feels like Vince called it was sort of the late 80s Batman stuff. Um have I ever, ever read Batman the Cult? Yes. I have not. First of all, that is, it's not long. I think it's a four issue miniseries um, re- illustrated by Bernie Wrightson. <clears throat> uh, Jim Starlin actually wrote it as well, but I kind of yep. get, I, I didn't get the art in here doesn't really remind me of Bernie Wrightson's art, but the sort of vibe is similar there between this. I feel like the coloring on this, I, I got to look, is it, who did the colors for this? Yeah, let's see. Dave Stewart. That's why Dave, uh, yep. uh, the colors on this very much are late 80s Batman vibes. Um, I also got a little bit of Gotham by Midnight vibes. One of my favorite forgotten New 52 titles of just sort of the oh, Gotham. Geez, yeah. Uh, originally illustrated by by uh, Ben Templesmith and then Juan Ferreira took over that book. Uh, Ray Fox wrote it, and I, I really enjoyed that with Jim Corrigan leading like a, um, you know, sort of like a uh, mystical Gotham strike force with the police. I really, really enjoyed that book. So I, I basically this reminded me of the weirder, more esoteric parts of Gotham City. And that's what I want out of this book. Like there, There's always going to be a flashy bat title. But to me, this is the kind of vibe I would like to see let's say detective comics always have just like a, a, a different look at Gotham city. And this is a, a six issue miniseries. I wish it was an ongoing, we need more comics that look and feel like this. And I, I, I almost don't want to say too much else because I, I want people to experience this for themselves. Um, I am excited to see Asriel have a bigger role in this and sort of um, what the Asriel, you know, connection will be. And I'm really curious as to if what you guys think. Is there going to be more carryover to the DC universe? Or is this was having to take place after a day? Is that just to establish this title and then it's going to be left alone for the rest of the time? I kind of think that. Yeah, I don't know. Especially without any of the band. Like it, it's if you think about the the the. Um, trade dress on the cover or whatever. It doesn't have much trade dress, first of all. Um, But, you know, it doesn't include any of the Infinite Frontier stuff. And if you look at it, I mean, that's a 90s Vertigo uh, 
cover as well. Don't, don't yeah. you know this is on the fear state checklist? <laughs> oh, it <Jesus>. is. <laughs> oh my god. I I I'm gonna be made an ass out of myself here, but um I don't think that's gonna come up. <laughs> <laughs> Watch in the in the next issue it begins with a Batman uh, under the scarecrow's influence uh two page bumper just like every other issue of the Tiny and stuff. But no, this is fantastic. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a break. And when we return, we'll talk about the Wonder Woman 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular. So stay tuned. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We are the hosts of Make Mind Multiversity, a twice monthly podcast. And it is I, Jake, the Taskmaster one. And I'm Elias, the Bendis one. Make Mind Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X-Books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion. Sometimes we even have lists. And other times we have book clubs on Marvel series, past and present. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. And we are back to talk about the aforementioned Wonder Woman 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular. Um, before we get into these stories, was it just me or were you guys surprised by the omissions of creators here? Yeah, somewhat. Like to me, if you're thinking about the Wonder Woman stories of the last 30 years, let's say, there's only one team in here that I feel like you'd say you have to include those people. And that's just because I like Jewilla Wilson's short run very much. But there's no Phil Jimenez, there's no George Perez. There is no Liam Sharp uh, and uh, Greg Rucka. There is no Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang. Mm-hmm. This just feels like really all of the other. I mean, Jeff Parker, in an interview you guys will hear soon, uh, talked about how they invited him back for the Aquaman 80th. And he was surprised by that. But they said, like, no, we want to have you know, we want to represent all the major Aquaman runs of recent memory. And they consider Jeff Parker's run part of that. There is no one on this book who has had a run close to as long as Jeff Parker had on Aquaman. Sure. It's I wouldn't be crazy to me. I, I wonder, wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they couldn't get Azarello to do anything. Same. Yeah. I, I wouldn't too. I also probably Rucka also the, actually. The the Wonder Woman 750 special wasn't all that long ago. And I, I can't remember what who all was featured in that. But I know I'm pretty sure Jimenez was right. Yeah, he he had something in there, whether whether yeah. it was a pinup or something. I, I'm sh- I'm almost positive. Yeah. All right. So the writers... I don't think I don't think Perez will will work for DC again. I just think that that's a there's a falling out there that he's probably happy not. I mean, I know he's like signed off on some Teen Titans cartoon stuff. He was in Teen Titans. Go he was in. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yep. I like, so... I just don't think he is interested in working for them anymore. I don't know. So that 750 issue had stories written by Scott Snyder, Vita Ayala, Dean Hale, Shannon Hale, Kami Garcia, Mariko Tamaki, 
Marguerite Bennett, Gail Simone, Greg Rucka, and Steve Orlando. Yeah. Okay, so you had Simone, you had Rucka, you yeah. had Orlando, but still not. Yeah, no Azarello, no Perez. Um, no Jimenez. No Jimenez. Okay. Yeah. But, but you know what? I I kind of like that they tip their caps to all of those different eras. Mm-hmm. With with different creative team, I think that's fine. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, 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 I kinda... that's I have mixed feelings on that because part of me feels like if you're going to honor Azarello and Chang, you know, you get Tony Akins. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but but, but, so, but the, to me, this is again we're fully on our bullshit tonight. When Paul McCartney was on The Simpsons and he says to Lisa, "Do you want to hear a song?" and she says yes, and then Apu sings Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, like. You're, you're, there's something great you're referencing, and then you get a lesser version of it. Oh, I don't know. So, so part of me thinks, you know, those creators said what they had to say about about Wonder Woman, and and you know, I think, I mean, I get what you're saying. It's just that it, it, it's not as much of a drag to me. I think what I appreciate more about these anniversaries that they've been doing, these like individual character anniversaries is that they are telling these stories throughout the years, referencing, like setting, not just referencing, but setting them within the time period of these eras and letting these creators tell stories, which is something that I feel like both DC and Marvel, they will reference old stories and old eras plenty, but it's not often that they let you go back and put a story in that era. And I, I just, I'm getting a kick out of them doing that in a very methodical way, even if they don't get a lot of the same creators to do it. Sure. I think I mostly feel that way too. I mean, it would be really nice to have some Chang art or even, you know, get Tony Akins to do it or like AC ACO or ACO. I'm not never sure how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they were on that run a lot too. I think if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, I, I mostly like this issue, but we'll, we'll get to it. I thought this issue was very front loaded personally, but we'll get to that Interesting. in a minute. Interesting. So let's talk about the first story in there. It's called in memoriam. It's by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Clunan, illustrated by Jim Chung. This is very much a teaser for the next arc of wonder woman. And is um, was put together sort of as a you know to bridge the gap between what happened in um, Infinite Frontier, the miniseries, Infinite Frontier number zero, where Wonder Woman kind of ascends to the the realm of the gods, whatever they call it, and bringing her back to the world. What did you guys think of this story in particular? Zach, you want to take it? Yeah, I thought it was kind of cringe. I really don't like Steve Trevor, <laughs> and I really don't <laughs> like the Steve Trevor Wonder Woman relationship. And like, I know it's supposed to be really like sweet and heartfelt, but I felt <laughs> like this documentary was really creepy and corny. Um, <laughs> I really hated it as a framing device. Um, but um, as like a look at you know how cool and good wonder woman is it was good and i love jim chung art so much um and it kind of does some of the like you know infinite frontier 
continuity fuckery with like having her in the like spy outfit and the like <laughs> 70s outfit um which was cool <laughs> um so yeah i don't know this one was kind of a mixed bag for me overall i really didn't care for the story but the art and some of the wonder woman stuff was really good just having having tipsy steve trevor show this like really cringy documentary making yeah. to a candy was just um just a bridge too far for me yeah um yeah it's funny i'm surprised i'm surprised that that you like took all of my talking points because um which is good i'm glad um then i can then i can talk less for once um but i agree the as a framing device do not care about this weird thing steve trevor's doing <laughs> however a lot of the individual individual glimpses into wonder woman and the way that other characters like superman animal man the way that they see diana i thought a lot of that stuff worked really well the booster gold one was funny um i i liked that i liked her like meeting with the un or whatever that was um so much of that stuff rang really true it's just yeah that framing device is kind of stupid but i guess i guess you get what you get there yeah i felt like uh it was very much a uh i mean to be fair i i think if steve trevor was drunk this is exactly what he would do (laughs) hey look at this look at this movie i made (laughs) and it's probably terribly edited and whatever um but, I don't you, like Steve Trevor is like the the pre like preeminent simp. He is like <laughs> he was like so, the pro. He's the proto simp. Men will literally c- crash their plane on the <laughs> island of women instead of go to therapy. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, also, when did he have time to do all this? <laughs> yeah. He's like a oh, major oh, major oh. colonel in the U.S. Yeah. Army or Which, something. Like, also, I haven't been keeping up with One Woman and Infinite Frontier. I need to catch up on it, but it, I, I guess he's dating someone else now. And there's that I don't, like, great I don't bit think where... I don't think we're supposed to know who it is yet. I think we're supposed okay. to be curious well there's just that great bit where Edda's just like you haven't it's like grimes. shown this you haven't shown it's this grimes. to her right and it's just like oh yeah. no <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh also it shows you what, what what a stupid fucking simp he is that he has this new girlfriend listed as babe <laughs> in his phone he he he's also um um crap he's all will arnett's character in hot rod uh, <laughs> yes good call babe um <laughs> yeah there were some nice moments in this with the framing device sucked jim chung art is fantastic you guys said everything i wanted to say about this um i do think that i'm very curious as to who this new girlfriend is just because it's going to be a very cringy situation it's going to be fucking yara floor or something it's, it's harley fun. quinn oh <laughs> that would actually be good i'm here for that i mean to be fair no be harley fair, quinn harley quinn's with with poison ivy, she's yes. with poison ivy yes. in in his phone she is listed as heart babe diamond like two card suits oh so, <laughs> i'm just saying 
Harley is starting a polycule with with Queen Ivy and Steve Trevor for some reason. In the map of the Gotham uh, living quarters, their rooms are connected. Yeah, like yes, in, uh, absolutely. Yep, yep. Hickman. Like Wolverine. Yeah, Hicksman. Yes. All right. So let's move on to the second story, which is a young Diana story by Jordi Belair and Polina Ganochow. I I've more or less enjoyed these young Diana stories. Sometimes I think they're a little bit long, and I thought this one was maybe a teeny bit too long, but I liked having Nubia as part of it. I like it when young Diana interacts with other Amazons, and so I thought this was fine. Zach? Yeah, I feel the same. Um, I, I I thought the interaction with Nubia was actually really good and fun. Um, again, I've not, you know, mentioned behind on Wonder Woman, so I haven't been reading these backups, um, but this this i i enjoy this um you know for what it is and that sounds like a backhanded thing i i i enjoyed it quite a bit yeah i i, I like it a lot i like this as the backup well i hell i like it better than the than the main story at least right now in wonder woman um and i'm just so thrilled that like this is not to minimize the dc uh, young line of graphic novels because you know gra- graphic novels outsell traditional comics you know we, we all know that and so like it's not to say that they are lesser or anything like that but I am so glad to see this kind of art in a mainstream DC comic you know and in this case it's not just relegated to an anthology it's been in the monthly title you know um and I just think that that's such a breath of fresh air. It's it's not because, uh, you know, it deserves better to be than than to be in a graphic novel. It's because comic books deserve art like this on a monthly basis. Um, and and so I love it on that level. And I think the story is is good too. Um, it's just been continuing this this really nice warm look at like a young Diana learning about. Am this particular Amazon culture, I guess, um, through the the other Amazonians' eyes. I, I think, yeah, it's 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 really nice, and I love the art, so I'm always happy to see it. All right, let's move on then to Fresh Catch, written and illustrated by Amy Reader. Um, my first note here literally says Amy Reader Hachimachi. I <laughs> love Amy Reader's art. I think that she was an inspired choice for this, even though she doesn't have a real history with Wonder Woman in terms of doing much work on the character. I just thought her art was so perfect for this. Um, I do have a, a question about one part of this issue, but I want to get your takes on it first before I ask that question. Um, yeah, I thought this was a an artistic joy. Um, I think the story's not not much of anything but it's you know it's meant to be like a golden age throwback story and so i think that's by design like you all know how i feel about the golden age at this point it's it's just really silly and and insubstantial and i think i think amy reader like makes the absolute best out of the era i think and the the art is so dynamic and the colors the marissa louise colors um they, they do a good job of not, again, not evoking the 
colors of the era because those were like, you know, technology was just so much poorer back then. Um, that, but it 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 evokes what you in your mind remember golden age as, even though it's not that, <laughs> if that makes right. any sense, you know? Sure. Um, yeah, really, really good. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed this, especially art artistically. Um, there's like almost kind of a Riley Rosmo esque dynamism on display here. Absolutely. I feel like. Yes. That's a great call. Um, just with like the way the characters move um, and kind of their expressions. Um, there's kind of like a Ben Day dot effect going on on some of the characters in some places, which is really neat, uh, you know, especially hearkening back to this era, like Ben's kind of alluded to. Um, yeah, I, I like this story quite a bit. So here's my question about this story. And I, I do not... Um... I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done this or they should have done this. I just find it an interesting choice. So this story has the earlier incarnation of Etta Candy when she was illustrated as a white character. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's better to be time period accurate and have her be white here or if it's. Like, my fear with this is that someone is going to read this and say, like, finally, Edda's white again. <laughs> right? Like, I, don't, I, I think only the biggest sicko would say that. I mean, you you know the internet exists, right? I know you're not yeah. on Twitter, but you know the internet exists, don't you? Yes, I do. I do. I, I know what you're saying, but, like, God, that's got to be such a such an obscure minority who would actually read this comic and then say that and, I mean, and to, mean to, it. To be fair, the other version of that kind of happened when the Wonder Woman movie came out where folks said like wait a minute Etta Candy is a person of color and people had to but actually them and say how you know back in the golden age Etta Candy was a white character and yeah, that, I, yeah that's in a major movie I, right right I get I, your point I mean I, I know what you're saying and, and I'm not and saying again I'm not saying they shouldn't have done this I'm just saying it's interesting to me that they decided to go time period accurate as opposed to incorporating the sort of the current incarnation backwards. Right, right. Don't you think that I, I wonder. I wonder if these anthologies are a little bit DC trying to have their cake and eat it too by. By because that that's what the 5G thing would have been, right? There would have been a generation right. one, which would have been the golden age Wonder Woman. And Etta absolutely would have been white in that. And then they would have had the, the next generation. And then they would have, they would have picked a generation where she's now black, you know? Right. Um, I honestly like, because they're going for the golden age, I, I don't care, but I wouldn't have batted an eye either if Etta was black, because like, I mean, that's per that's per perfectly fine choice, you know? Um, I just think I think I, I think I get why they did it this way, because I think they're still trying to somehow have their 5G cake without calling too much attention to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Any thought on this, Zach, or am I just reading too much into this? No, it, I did notice it, but I, I didn't give it like a ton of thought. I don't know. Um, yeah, I. I don't really want to read into it too much. 
Sure. I don't. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. It was obviously a conscious choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It didn't. It didn't bother me. I. I'm just. I'm just curious as to sort of where you guys fall on that as as an idea. Like, um, there aren't too many other characters that that that's true of. Like, there's obviously there's Wallace West who is black, but it's not like they made Wally West black, right? So I can't think of too many other other characters that had their race changed midway through a, a an 80 year career or whatever mm-hmm. um but anyway let's move on to dear diana written by mark wade illustrated by jose luis garcia lopez first of all let's just celebrate the fact that we got an entire story illustrated by jose luis garcia lopez oh mama mia yeah that's that's a fantastic thing and in true mark wade fashion he found something that I feel like is is very clearly a part of Wonder Woman that he feels is important that people don't talk about as much, which is the wisdom aspect of Wonder Woman, and built a really charming story around it. There isn't a lot of fighting bad guys in this story, and that's totally fine because this does a really good job of establishing Diana's role within the Justice League, within the DC Universe, and does so in a fun and unique way. I really enjoyed this. Zach? Um, yeah, I enjoyed this. Um, I I don't know. I, I liked this, but it probably wasn't my favorite story overall. It, I really can't put a finger on it about what it is I didn't like about it, but it just it just didn't like really stand out to me that much. I mean, it's a little too classic. No such thing, my friend. <laughs> Just kidding, Vince. Yeah, this owned. Um, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I didn't actually when I started reading it. I didn't know it was Mark Wade until the very end. Um, I could tell it was Garcia Lopez, obviously, but um, when I got to the end and it and I saw that it was Mark Wade, I was like. <laughs> Of course. of course. It's like you said, Brian, like this is just such a Mark Wade concept. Um, and, and yeah, I think he nails it. I think in the beginning I thought like, okay, I don't know if I am digging this. It's a little bit all over the place. And then as she would go from like justice league member to justice league member, I started to buy into it a lot. And then when he kind of gets inside of her, like, uh, in, in her in her own head about like whether she wants to keep being the advice like when when robin is calling her on the on the video thing and she's got her like head in her hand there kind of like like how much more of this do i want to do and then that comes back around like no that's an important part of who i am you know mm-hmm. like yeah all that stuff all that stuff rings really true and i feel like mark wade's probably not the right one to tackle this particular aspect of it. But as I was reading this, I thought of like the idea of, um, you know, like uh, a woman doing uh, the emotional, um, what do they call it? It's like emotional uh, labor. Or yeah. Emotional, emotional, yeah. emotional labor. Exactly. Like, yeah, I feel like they're like, again, Mark Wade's not the one to write that story, but there is a story there that could be yeah, written. And I think it would a be good point. really fascinating. Um, but this, I feel like this glances kind of 
tangential to it in a way that, you know, it's, it's not problematic or anything like that, but I, I just, I thought about that and I'm like that you could write that story and it would probably be pretty good. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Up next, we have dated by Tom King and doc Shaner. Oh my uh, god, I can't wait to hear what you guys think of this. <laughs> reuniting the team behind the Hal Jordan Dark Side War issue that all three of us fucking drooled all over, if you recall. <laughs> and I'll never yeah. read again. Yeah, I'm never yeah. gonna know if I was wrong. Um, so here I have two I wrote two notes about the story, not about the art. And I I stand behind both of these notes. And the first one you're gonna say, what? And the second one, you're going to understand, maybe. <laughs> so I said, aside from the singing, this is the best Tom King story I've read in a while. Now I agree with you. That's like, number that's, one. That's a, I completely I agree. agree. Oh, my yeah. God. Wait, wait, what are wait, we wait, doing? Wait, 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 wait. But, no, but number two, he does not understand Diana at all. <laughs> like His Diana is totally not who Diana is at all. But I still kind of enjoyed this story. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's I I agree. But I still kind of like this Diana. Oh, I, I didn't dislike this Diana. It's just not Diana. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it is a version of Diana. It might it might not be, as I recall, it might not be too far from the Sikowski era Diana. Do you think he actually went back and read that? I, I, I kind of doubt it. But no, I mean, he definitely didn't because they didn't really talk like this in that run. Like. That my one real note about this is that, of course, because it's Tom King, like not only she, does she's he, Megan Draper. Yes, time <laughs> times a, King. times a hundred. Yes, she yeah. may be, as well be saying Zoo Zoo Zoo. Yeah, B- but like, not only does he write in like the 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 sixties like daddy o uh, dialect, but he has to just pour it all over the like this like it's way over the top see i'm surprised zach understood any of this as he hasn't seen austin powers <laughs> Sorry, i couldn't get that out without laughing <laughs> yeah zach if you dig on this comic uh you gotta watch austin powers okay this, okay this, does sure. this make you randy is the question <laughs> i have for you no but clark is pretty randy in this yes he is yeah this is the best uh clark uh, Diana like romantic pairing thing I think anyone's ever done yeah I, yeah sure yeah, yeah that, that's probably not wrong yeah it's it's handled exactly the way it should be yeah. you know yeah um I say that anyone is ever that I have ever read yeah it's better than the new 52 stuff <laughs> yes <laughs> you, you um, know what I think I think I like I haven't even liked Tom King in in anthology form very much but let let him write a story in every single anthology because then at least like if he hits on one like this then good but also then you you only have to read like 10 pages of it do you think tom king can write a book without poetry or song lyrics in it no no here's here's a real question we talked about his you know is this is this really diana is this fit her do you do you think that Superman is really a cop? No, I think that fundamentally <laughs> misunderstands this character I, Superman. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think I think Superman has been a cop in a lot of the worst Superman stories that have ever been written, probably. 
Like that's that's definitely a characterization that has been done before. I think Superman is a cop in the sense of in a small town, you call the cops when your cat is stuck in a tree. And like in the purest sense of like somebody who protects their community, he's a cop. But, you know, he's not a cop in the parlance of our times. No, or, but, or even what Tom King is trying to say here. I right, made a joke. Exactly. I made a joke in Lad's chat that this comic might have just been, might as well have just been Tom King and like big bold letters saying, "I am not a cop." I'm not yes. a cop. Yeah, yeah. You're right, Zach. You're right. He's he's a. It would have been more accurate to say they're gonna think you're a narc or something like mm-hmm. just or you know because it is accurate to say like if Clark stumbles into a, a club where they're all smoking funny cigarettes. Um, he's going to be out of place. Yes. And if that's the idea that's, that's being put across, I can buy that. But, but no, I don't think Superman is a cop. He's a boy scout. He's not a cop. Yes. The word is right there for you. It's boy scout. <laughs> yes. Yep. 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 Um, but boy, that doc Shaner art too. Like, oh, yeah, really holy yeah. shit. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> like great for the time period great action great costuming everybody's hot (laughs) clark (laughs) lois everyone yeah Yeah, but 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 this is like to me this is this reminds me of what we thought tom king could be before we realized what he actually was (laughs) well it's also it's also king having fun without the so so much of Without what the I, deconstruction, you know. Yes, there's, there is even there's he's he's trying so hard not to deconstruct while still doing it badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so much of what so much of what I didn't like about King's Batman run is that King would go for these silly. We've talked about this so many times. He would go for these silly uh, um, Batman sixty six moments. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. In the context of also, I'm the most angry, psycho, messed up Batman ever. Right. And none of that worked for me. Whereas in this context, okay, Clark and Lois and Diana in the late 60s, like, yeah, it, it's 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 silly. It's they're letting loose in a hipster coffee dance club, whatever. It's it doesn't try to it doesn't try to really throw any anything serious other than like maybe a little bit of melancholy, like just a touch of it uh, into the proceedings. And I think that that really works more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this I, I like this story quite a bit. I'll I'll be honest, it was close to the top for me. Yeah, so I don't know if. It was just the shock of liking the story so much. But this is the last story I thought was. No, that's not true. There's one more story in this. The next one that I thought was good. And the rest I thought were not. Um, That next story is Better Angels by Vita Ayala and Isaac Goodhart. Real real quick before we move on. I just wanted to call out. There's a really good Nicola Scott pinup in the middle in between these two stories. It's the Wonder Woman of the Wonder Woman of the multiverse. And it's just the best thing yeah Um, i love when she does these 
they're so good. Yeah. There were a bunch of good pinups in this. Um, overall, the mm-hmm. art in this was was excellent. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so let, let's get to this video, video, Vita Ayala story. It's a cheetah story as much as it's a Wonder Woman story. But I feel like for a character that doesn't have as many iconic villains as they should, having been around for 80 years, Cheetah's about as close as you get to a must-have in this anthology. This mm-hmm. would be this is the equivalent of if a uh, Batman anthology didn't have the Joker or a Superman anthology didn't have Lex Luthor in it. You kind of have to have a Cheetah story, mm-hmm. and this does a good job of showing why Cheetah is an interesting villain and, and why people still care about Cheetah after all these years. So I thought this was actually a very good story. Yeah, I, I liked the story. Um, it, it was short and to the point, and. I liked the the core of it. The art was really, really good. Machi, machi. That good art. Yeah, it's very good. And That's the kind flat of like a coloring. Style. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, really good stuff. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, this was an awesome story. Uh, my only My only criticism, which is slight, would be, that I, I think we've seen, especially involving Cheetah, I think we've seen the, the Diana submitting, even wrapping the lasso around to submit to Cheetah to turn the tides of a fight against her. I feel like that exact story has been done before. Um, but I think like as a distillation of Diana's relationship to Cheetah, and how she appro- Diana approaches a fight and how this sort of thing would generally go in the world of Wonder Woman. I think Ayala nails it. Like all of it rings very true to what's come before. It just may be that, you know, we've seen this thing before. Sure. Um, and which is fine. You know, that's, we've read a lot of comics, right? Um, other people haven't necessarily so you know it's it's new to somebody and it's it is a classic accurate correct depiction of of this relationship so um it was very good and the art well i can't say enough about it especially with those colors um yeah have we seen isaac goodhart do a lot of tc before i don't recognize the name very very clearly uh i believe there's been a uh, one of the again one of those like youth line graphic novels uh, talk amongst yourselves or move on and I'll, I will look that up. I'm uh, I'm taking a look right now. Um, it looks like they did some stuff with the the digital first stuff. Oh, um, okay. like Aquaman, Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman. Um, hmm, they're listed on House of Whispers. I don't know if that was covers or interiors, though. Ah, the uh, Lauren Miracle Under the Moon, a Catwoman tale. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the one that has all the surprisingly dirty language in it. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, uh, the art was excellent. Yeah. Well, it's always nice to see a, a new artist sort of, or a newish artist impress us in one of these books. So that was good. Uh, next up, we have Steve Orlando and Laura Braga's Saturn Rising. My one thing I liked about this is I liked that it showed a little bit of different people assuming the Wonder Woman title. So we see Artemis and Hippolyta and Nubia all in the story. 
kind of acting as Wonder Woman, but I thought that this story was just kind of boring. Interesting. I liked this story quite a bit. Um, I thought it had a f- very fun, like, Silver Age vibe to it. You know, Orlando is so good at that kind of thing anyway. The the scenes of, like, the different Wonder Woman dealing with the, you know, the emissaries from Saturn or whatever were all really good. I Yeah, I like this one a lot. This was maybe in my top three. And, and I wanted to rectify because I kind of begrudgingly dissed on Laura Braga in the new Batman future state stuff. This is very good. This, this is much better, much better than that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I'm more on Zach's side with this. I, I think Orlando did a, 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 a neat again. I, man, I do this so often, uh, especially with Orlando, but, uh, Orlando does a very Morrisonian thing here by taking a golden age Wonder Woman character that hasn't had a story written about them in, uh, I guess, like 70 years <laughs> and and incorporates them into this story. Um, Saturnette is not a character, I think, I, as far as I know, is not a character we've seen since the golden age. <laughs> and... Um, that's wild to me <laughs> that, but I, but I love the story. Like it's, it's a perfect fit. This kind of like, you know, incorporating Saturnette into her sphere of, I don't know what you call them when they're, they're all sort of have served the wonder woman role, but they're not wonder woman. I, I don't know if they have a name for the, for wonder, that. Women. the wonder women. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think that's such a warm, idea and just very Morrisonian to pull this concept from Wonder Woman's past that hasn't had anything done with it in decades and yeah it was it was a pretty cool trick I thought Dude, I um, thought this was overly wordy yeah, maybe and it, but you know I don't mind Orlando when he's overly wordy because I I like I like most of the words. <laughs> the, the words are good. Did, did, did anybody else feel like the inclusion of all the different Wonder Woman here and the absence of Yara Floor in this entire anthology set, did, did that strike either of you? Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, Yara Floor does get a pinup in this. Okay, she gets one. Yeah, she does get a pinup. Yeah. Um, uh, they're not bailing on Yara Floor already, are they? Uh, they might bail on your floor already. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm wondering. Is if um... I mean to be fair though, like there's no Donna Troy in this. There's That's no true. Cassie Sandsmark right. in this. There's you're right. You know, you're yeah, right. They, they get a pinup too, right? And that's it. I think so. Yeah, but you know, yeah. this is really a Diana focused thing. Good um, point. That's a good point. Yeah. It's just it's. I, I did think it was interesting that Nubia got several nods and, mm-hmm. and she's kind of getting a big push right now nubia I, has been wonder woman though there's a di- to me that's the difference well but she's in two stories also i mean like in this issue um sure and I, but I, I guess, and I that might be saying. yeah that might I be because donna <laughs> troy has oh. been God wonder woman as well though in a in a way and yara floor was the future state wonder woman mm-hmm. that's true yeah 
But also, neither of those stories that Nubia was in was she Wonder Woman in the story. Like, I think that she was the supporting character to Diana in both of those stories. Yeah. And I, think I am it's kind of surprised to... they didn't have a future state story in this. Again, this is not... This is a very strange story. A very strange book to me in terms of what was included and what wasn't and yeah. who was included and who wasn't. I'm, I'm surprised we didn't get a future state story considering the last story that we do get. I guess that is kind of almost a future state story in a way. It's kind of we'll sort get of to, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We have yeah. one other book to talk about first. Yeah. Um, that one other story we have to talk about is called Immortal Mysteries, written by Stephanie Phillips, illustrated by Marcio Takara. So I liked the point of this story. I thought this could be a fun. This could be the start of a fun, like one issue story or even a mini-series, but I felt like they tried to fit a whole lot into a short story, and because of that, it didn't work that well. I also feel like this is trying to ape the Azarello Chang era, as clear by her costume and by the, the typeface when someone says Wonder Woman, but this to well, me... Well, also, felt... also including Demeter, this version of Demeter. Right, right, yeah. But this story felt nothing like those stories. This yeah. was this was this is what I'm talking about when you're promised an Azarello Chang story, and this feels like a very poor cover band doing a version of that. This is the one where I think that's the most egregious. Definitely, I I would agree because I I wouldn't have even pegged this as an uh, like aping Azarello Chang. If, if I definitely wasn't paying close enough attention to like connect the costume, and it wasn't until. Demeter showed up and and I recognize that I as like a design of that era. Um so yeah, this was yeah, cover band definitely. Mm -hmm. Vince. Um <clears throat> yeah, this was probably my second least favorite story on, on all the grounds that you guys just uh <clears throat> just kind of talked about. Um I do think. I think what it did for me was put into stark relief that um, the Azarello Chang Wonder Woman was something that I, I really cherish. And I think it was a special time, but it is, it is really something separate of the Wonder Woman canon almost, <laughs> you know, like that's one era. I don't think you can go, you can't go back to it really. Um, I, I guess I, I won't knock them for trying, but I just, I don't think they can get that magic. And I don't even know if Azarello and Chang themselves, I mean, Chang's art's always good. Chang is always good. Um, but I don't know if Azarello and Chang could revisit that and, and, and really do a story that makes sense or does justice, or I, I don't know. I mean, that, that to me is so cordoned off that, um, yeah, it was such a like complete and concise story, you know, like there's yeah. not really much more to revisit other than maybe just doing like a fun one off of some of the gods interacting, you know, that, right, that's about right. like as far as you could go. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, this was not my favorite of these stories. And the, uh, the art is fine. 
you know. Yeah, the art the art is nice. You know, I, I like Marcio Takara's art a lot, but again, I did not feel like Takara's art did a great job of referencing that era either. Yeah. There's like one panel where like Wonder Woman is kind of like charging forward with her sword drawn that looks almost kind of Chang esque. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Again, Tony Akins is right here, guys. Yeah. 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 And lastly, we get uh, Low Orbit by G. Willow Wilson and Megan Hetrick. Um, Vincey, start us off with this one. Sure. So. I, I, too, as you mentioned earlier, uh, enjoyed the G. Willow Wilson Wonder Woman run. Um, but this was probably my least favorite story in the book, unfortunately, in the in the anthology issue, um, because I think it's the most ordinary. You know, it's meant to take place in the immortal Wonder Woman, like current Infinite Frontier status quo. That's fine. But really, it's just a very generic Diana story about air quotes hope mm -hmm. and just saving this like satellite out in space from destruction or whatever. So it doesn't do much. It looks fine. This isn't the best Hetrick art I've seen either. Um, although I like Megan Hetrick's art. Um, it Megan just... Hetrick has a um, Emma Frost variant cover coming out for one of the X books soon. <laughs> just going to put that out there. <sighs> Zach, Zach, uh, Zach's like Marvel variant cover non sequiturs remind me of Norm Macdonald breaking into a Conan interview and like <laughs> crack whore. No, <laughs> uh, but no, that's very good, Zach. I, I appreciate you being, I love, I love you, man. I love, I love what you add to the sauce here. <laughs> I don't know if it's the margarita finally hitting you or what this is, but um, it's <laughs> he got the as the giggles now. Um, anyway, yeah, talk about this story. I, you know, it was just so plain. It was just yeah. so not not really not really aiming to do anything other than say like, yeah, Diana's a symbol of hope, <laughs> and like, yeah, I guess we we know that. Yeah. If, yeah. If this story was a big nothing for me. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about it, unfortunately. I think I it was a little bit higher on the art, maybe. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's good. I just feel like I've also seen better Megan Hedrick art. Yeah. As recently as Future State, is that right? I, can't I, could, I, could, I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking it up right now. Anyway, well, what you should be looking up is the books that are coming out next week. I have that up, believe it or not. Well, I can't. I I, I choose believe not. Believe it or not. I, <laughs> Vince is prepared. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, um, so my, my last thought on this book that I wanted to share and just sort of discuss for a second here was, is it weird to you guys how we talked about like so the sort of creative themes that are missing and all that? But I feel like this is the 80th anniversary issue we've seen so far that has had the least amount of like perceived hype behind it or DC push putting like muscle behind it. This seems very perfunctory. And for a character that most recently headlined, I, I guess the Suicide Squad is the most recent, but in the last year headlined in their own film is one of the DC Trinity 
is a universally regarded hero that is that transcends comics and geek culture and everything else. You know, all three of our moms know who Wonder Woman is, right? Like for a character that important, isn't it a little strange how lackluster this felt? I don't know. I, I don't know either. I don't. I wouldn't say it feels lackluster. I do feel like maybe there was a little bit less of a push for it, just slightly. I don't. But I don't feel like these things ever get that big of a push. I, I have to say, I don't notice a marketing push for a DC comic these days, um, except for like the day a new series is announced. Not any anthology series or anything like that. The only time I noticed DC doing promotion or whatever is for a, a new ser- a new number one. Okay, that's fair. I guess what I mean is that I felt like just looking at the creative team, looking at the actual stories in here, I feel like not as much thought was put into this as into the other ones. Here's why I'm saying that. So we got you know, Tom King's story kind of sort of maybe does like the early 70s white suit white jumpsuit wonder woman thing a little bit but if this was any other of these 80th anniversary issues there would be a very clear story where wonder woman's only wearing that white costume i feel like the other ones that came out like this are all very carefully considered in almost every story hitting a certain point. You know, we have to have this character from this era and one of the creators from this. And this one just felt like, well, we don't have to do anything. Let's just kind of get whoever's around. And there's still good stuff in this. It just feels far less considered to me than the other ones do. Hmm. Like, for instance, we were saying for the Green Arrow one, how none of us are huge Mike Grell fans. But we're very happy that Mike Grell got a story in that because Mike Grell is one of the 10 or so most important Green Arrow creators of all time. We said at the time we were surprised that Kevin Smith didn't have a story in there because Kevin Smith is is a relatively important Green Arrow uh, creator. But Phil Hester, who was his partner on that, did. It feels like there's nobody in this book who who feels up to even the Phil Hester level of of Wonder Woman creator it just it just feels very slapped together to me i guess i feel like it maybe on like a creative standpoint but like the eras are all there like you've got a golden age wonder woman story you've got the the you know 70s purple dress wonder woman you've got the you've got kind of a bronze age wonder woman story with the wade thing you've got the rebirth wonder woman you've got new 52 wonder woman all those points are being hit and honestly i still think the the comic that we ended up with was really good like yeah regardless of all that I, i i kind of am glad that they didn't rely like hit that they didn't fall back on some of the like like i did not need a greg rucka Wonder Woman story in this, you know, I just like mm-hmm. I did I don't need that. Um I might have liked a Gail Simone one, but like I I think it's fine to maybe let some other voices 
riff on those things. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I just feel like even the voices they got are not the people I would think DC would be putting up for Wonder Woman's 80th anniversary. Oh, you mean like women? That's Ryan? a big part of it, yes. There's a no. lot of women on this. Yes, but there but Gail Simone is like one of the few women from the 90s and 2000s at DC who is still around and working. I was and just trying to dunk on you. <laughs> I know. I know but, but but I I have I you know, I feel like there are there could be a greater representation of female creators on this. I mean, I feel but there are like a lot of female. Well, let's I was going to look and see um okay let's I, well there's I still there is actually a lot of you know mark wade tom king orlando has like had michael w history, conrad but he, um, he's writing it right now with clinton right. so that's i feel like that yeah i mean like every story is eh, i i i mean it could we probably could have done without the tom king story <laughs> i think it's fair to say uh even though i liked it but in terms of like a representation standpoint. Um, yeah. I, I feel like it overall does a pretty good job though. I guess I just feel like if, if you're going to treat Wonder Woman as one of the Trinity, you could have done so much more here for her 80th anniversary. And I know there's lots of other stuff happening this month. You know, there's that first Nubia and the Amazons issue there's there's that new Stephanie Phillips miniseries that's launching. Like there's a lot they're doing a lot. This and I guess if you take the whole 80th month like in totality, it is a bigger deal than maybe I'm making it out to be. I just felt like this could have been bigger. No Jeff John stories. You're that's what you're upset about. No, I'm fine with that. Absolutely fine with that. So Vince claims that he has next week's books ready to go. So let's see if that's true. Yeah, believe it or not. Again, as I said. Um, okay. Uh Batman 89, number three. I we are not gonna cover this, but it's interesting. <laughs> Batman the audio adventure special, number one. Uh Batman the Imposter, number one, Batman Urban Legends, number eight, blue and gold, number three, uh, future state Gotham number six, hardware season one, number two. Uh, Harley Quinn, the animated series Eat, Bang, Kill Tour, number two. I didn't I am... even realize we had missed the first issue of that. I yeah, guess we might have talked about that. Yeah. Mm, I don't, I I don't know not. when that was. Um, I Am Batman, number two. Justice League Last Ride, number six. Pennyworth, number three. The Strange Adventures finale, number 12 there. Uh, the, the Book of the Week, Superman and the Authority, number four. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's uh, the, the only ju- book we're going to talk about. <laughs> it's just going to be an hour of Zach slurring and slobbing all over it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the Joker, number eight. Uh, Titans United, number two. Wonder Woman, number 780. And Wonder Woman, The Adventures of Young Diana, special, number one. Big week, but we'll probably only read three books. Four, four, four or five. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, until then, if you haven't get in touch with us, two thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need Vince, he is being a sicko and reading a lot of Golden Age Wonder Woman stories, uh, specifically trying to pick out which villain or hero will be next featured in the F- Wonder Woman 50th anniversary special 10 <laughs> years from now. Any guesses right now? The 90th anniversary, you mean? I mean, 90th. Yes, I'm sorry. 90th anniversary. Um, 
They're going to revisit the story where Wonder Woman smashes a single copper penny down into an extremely thin uh, metallic bridge between the cities of St. Paul and Minneapolis, which is an actual golden age story uh, that happened once. You are also a Twin Cities simp, so that makes sense. <laughs> I am. And to be fair, in the comic, they never they don't say Minneapolis and St. Paul, but they do say the Twin Cities. Um, I believe in DC continuity, um, is it Keystone and Central City are, are the Twin Cities. OK, I think I think you're right. That definitely wasn't the case in the Golden Age when sure, sure. when those cities were not in the Wonder Woman. Sure. Canon. Sure. But yes, yes, I think you're right. Sure. All right, folks, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week and uh, make sure to go to DC3Cast.com if you want more of us over on Patreon. Thanks and bye. Bye. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Oh, we, should we, read this. we should read this too. The only problem oh, with it is that it's, it's 80, like pages. 80 pages. Oh, yeah. fuck it. Nope, not reading it. <laughs>